Thank you all for leading us in worship today. Chase, thank you so much, young man. As we stand today to honor the word of the Lord, would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 17. We begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 17, our text today, verses 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, ha have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray together. Our good and our holy God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the light that it shines for our path. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us and you guide us and you direct us through the living of our days. You, you make our path straight by calling us forward, by whispering from behind, this is the way, walk in it. Lord, we gather in this room today as your children, your sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters. Some are here today, Lord. They're just trying to figure this out. They don't have the vocabulary yet to even praise you and thank you for the kindness that you've shown. For all of us today, Lord, reveal yourself, your will and your way. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts that are tender that would receive your word like a seed planted in good soil. Give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. Lord, strengthen our hands that our work in this world would be like your own. And Lord, when we depart this place and re-enter the world in our week, we pray that a word of hope and life would be found on our lips. Lord, this is our prayer in the beautiful and the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, amen and amen. Friends, please be seated. Now it happened. That's how Luke began his story. And if you were his instructor in a creative writing class, you would look at that and you would give him a scratch and sniff sticker and a big heart and an A+. Now it happened is a wonderful way to begin a story. It's not like it was a dark and stormy night, something like that. Now it happened is a, is a pregnant three words. It's a, a vital little phrase. Now it happened. History is marked by now 
It happened moments. National history, global history, your personal history has been marked by now it happened. If I was standing on the corner of Winslow, Arizona, for instance, <laughs> on a fine day, I, along with many of you, would wait for a girl, my Lord, in a flatbed Ford to come drive slowly by. Why? Why on earth? Just a random corner in Arizona. Why does it have that kind of punch? Why does it immediately grab our, our attention? Because on that corner, one day, years ago, something happened. And it was definitive. And, and uh, Robert Sterling... Someone wrote a song about it to tell us the story. Now it happened. We use this all the time. People come up to you and they say, did you hear what happened? Or you might point someplace and say, hey, 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 that's where, that's where it happened. Sometimes as you're going about life, you'll, you'll find even a plaque or a sign or a statue. Historians are in the room. They're good at this stuff putting signs up that says, on this spot, this day, this hour, something happened. Many of you have seen the musical Hamilton, or at least are familiar with the storyline. You had somebody rap the lyrics to you. Lin-Manuel Miranda did a wonderful job with that, telling a great American tale. And one of the great songs is in the room happens. You start to see at that part in the play, the unraveling of Aaron Burr. He's left outside of the room where it happens. See, the FOMO gets to him, I mean, in a maniacal kind of way. But in that room, in that room where it happened, Jefferson and Hamilton sat down to one of America's most consequential definitive dinner parties. Something happened in that room. Your life is full of something happened places and spaces and periods of time. And that's how the story begins for Luke. He, he just starts out, now it happened. And we're left with the question, what is it? What happened? Is that happening a definitive happening what happened? Is, is it one of those things that changes everything? Is it a transforming event? That happening, what was it? And does it matter for me today? So those are the questions before us today. What happened in this story? What truly happened? And why does it matter? And that's what we'll do for the next few minutes, so hang with me. This is a story that has three basic movements. The first one is in verses 12 to 13, and it just starts out, Jesus entered a village. He was passing through this area. He entered, verse 12, a certain village. Now, Luke was great on openings. He was weak on details. What village was it? We don't know. Just a village, a certain village. Maybe he left it out because any village would do here. Villages are important, all of them. All God's children dwell in some type of village. 
and all villages are important to God. And, and on one day, Jesus entered an unnamed certain village. And as he was coming through at a far, far distance and shouting distance, I love that phrase, and shouting distance, there were 10 lepers. They were there as a group and they acted as a group. They behaved as a group. Now, leprosy is a skin disease. We, we know that. We've heard that. There's, there's a version of that around in the world today. It was a little more comprehensive in Jesus' day. It just kind of a catch-all for all manner of skin disorders. But these disorders were, were often associated with sin and judgment. There were no known cures for these skin ailments. Outside of the mercy of God, if you had one... You are in deep, deep, deep trouble. And leprosy, because of the fear of, of being contaminated by it, of being touched by it and changed, uh, was also extremely alienating and isolating. You, you had to leave the group. You had to separate from the group. And so the folks you could hang around with were other lepers. And in this certain village, in this little town, in this little place... All the lepers were together. They were hanging together. They had become a community of the broken. They had been a community bound together with the integrative theme of their disease and their alienation and their distance. And they were there together and they were away from everybody, but they were in shouting distance from Jesus when he came to town. So they acted as a group and they cried out and they said, Jesus, Lord, Master, Master, have mercy on, get this, us. They weren't shouting out their own individual names. They were coming as a group, a group of the broken, bound by their disease. And they cried out, have mercy on us. Well, that's the first movement. So we ask ourselves, is that it? Not quite sure that's it yet, although it's an important part of the story. The second move is in verse 14, where Jesus addresses them as a group. They called out as a group, and he addressed them as a group. They wanted healing, and he had been known as a healer. His ministry had been a ministry of healing, liberating grace, and they came to him uh, for their wholeness, and Jesus speaks to them. Notice there are no healing actions here. So many of the stories in the gospel include uh, sometimes dramatic healing actions. My favorite was when Jesus healed the blind man and he spit in the dirt and he made a mud pie of his spit in the dirt and he healed the guy with his, with his spitty dirt. Nobody does that on television, I've noticed. But Jesus had this mud pie healing one time. And sometimes he just spoke a word and, and people were healed. Sometimes people touched his garment and, and they were healed. Many times there was an action associated with the healing grace. And, and most of the time when we think of, of healing, we think of some type of action from James 5, anointing with oil or laying on of hands or some type of, some type of tactile touch kind of thing. Uh, years ago, Randall Perry was running a bus ministry in, in, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast in Gulfport, First Baptist Church at Gulfport. And, and back in those days, just back in the 70s, uh, you, you gave gifts to kids to get them to get on the bus and come to Sunday school. 
Uh, any of you remember these days, you know? Uh, Joel Gregory told me one time that, that he had a kid come down when he was a pastor here in Waco. They'd been giving out goldfish, and the little boy came down to the altar at the time of the invitation. He thought he was going get, to get saved, this little boy, and he said, I've just come for the bicycle. He got confused. The assemblies of God were giving out bikes, and they were giving out goldfish. Well, well goldfish was in the manual, that really, in the, in the actual manual of bus ministry, goldfish gifts were in that. Jack Howells. And so Randall was giving out goldfish down in, in Gulfport and Biloxi to little kids. And one day, one of those little kids from a trailer park stepped on his fish and crinkled him up. Randall thought the fish was a goner. So the sad little boy brings his fish to Randall, and Randall didn't know what to do. But he'd, he'd been watching Reverend Ike on television. So he just, gra he just grabbed the fish out of the Ziploc bag and said, be healed, and kind of did some chiropractic work on the fish. And the little fish started swimming around in the water all over again. And, uh, and all those little kids on the bus just did like this with Randall. He became the most powerful children's minister on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for the, re for the rest of that decade. It was, it was a wonderful thing. So, so quite often we, we associate God's physical healing grace with some type of movement, some type of touch, some type of action. There's none of that here. Not a bit of it. Jesus looks at this group of lepers. And he says, go show yourselves to the priest, plural. Go show yourselves to the priest. You see, there was a system. There was a pattern. There was a process. God had been, been touching people with his mercy and his grace for generations. And if you go all the way back to the book of Leviticus, there was a ritual for the leper on the day of his cleansing. Jesus sent them forth to enter the process. To enter the story that God had been telling about what he had done to make a people. And what he was doing to redeem them. He sent them to the priest. This is what it said in Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command him to take from him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and he shall pronounce him clean, and he shall let the living bird loose in the open field. I believe in the strange world of the Bible, there are types and shadows. Can you imagine being that leper and seeing that blood-speckled bird loose in the field, hearing you were clean? Jesus sent them to see a picture of his whole life's ambition and purpose. To wash us clean. To set us free. To let us fly. To let us live.
because of his sacrificial grace. He sent them to the priests. Why plural? Well, a couple ideas. A lot of priests around. There's ten guys. And we know for certain one of them is a Samaritan. Do you remember a conversation that Jesus had in John chapter 4, 19 to 24 with a Samaritan woman? He meets her at the well to talk about the deep things of life, about God, about salvation, about his, his revealing life, the Messiah. And she entered into a religious dispute with him. She says, we worship on this mountain, Jesus. We have a system and processes and priests, and we lean on the promises of Moses. We have a system on this mountain, Jesus, and, and you, you, you worship in Jerusalem. Jesus, which one is right? He looked at her and he said, there is a day coming. It is now here. Where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Relativizing this mountain and that one. She said, you are the one who opens up the secrets of the soul. And she went back to her village and proclaimed him Messiah. One of his earliest evangelists. So one of those, one of those lepers, at least one of them, for sure had a different priest to go to. And as he was leaving Jesus' presence and he looked down and he felt his skin and he saw his skin, I don't know how it went. Maybe there was a little trail of death behind him. Epidermis in the dust of the earth. But when he realized he was healed on his way to the priest, he says, I can't go just yet. I've got something to do. And that's the third movement. It begins 15 to 19. He, he comes back to Jesus. And he gives glory to the Father. In a loud voice, he praises God. Probably the, the words of, of the scriptures. He praises God for the mercy that he's seen. And he bows in homage at the feet of Jesus. He bows in worship. And he tells him thanks. He links the work of God with the work of this carpenter from Nazareth. This Jew who worshipped in Jerusalem. He recognized their work as one in the same. And praised God from his heart. Look at me. This is it. And Jesus said, weren't there ten in all? Are you the only one that has come back? Are you the only one that has come back? He affirmed this move in this man's life, recognizing that his act of gratitude was a demonstration of faith. 
and he made a declaration and he made a demand. The declaration was this, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Let's say that together. Your faith has made you well. Bruce Larson once commented, ten men were healed, but only one was made well. And that's far more important than being healed. God's mercy is abundant. It rains on the just and the unjust. And we know in Texas, rain is a blessing. God is kind and he is good. But that doesn't mean that everyone who has received his mercy knows him by faith. It doesn't mean every healed person is well. Wellness implies a reconciliation with God. And this man in the presence of Jesus was being reconciled to God. In the dust of the earth, he was being brought home to God. The cloak was being put on his shoulders, the ring on his finger, the shoes on his feet. This Samaritan was becoming a son of the Father. Wellness is rec reconciliation. Wellness is ultimate. It's an appointed unto us once to die and then the judgment. Every healed person ultimately dies. Every healing is temporary. Wellness is everlasting. Wellness is everlasting. All ten of those lepers healed in that certain village, they're all dead today. But we know that one. We know that one is well. Because he learned and received from Christ himself the grace that is deeply sufficient. The thief on the cross on his dying day looked and said, remember me, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. To be with Jesus in paradise is to be wonderfully, wonderfully, wonderfully well. His faith made him well. Paul, with that thorn in his flesh, who pled with God multiple times over and over and over and over again, didn't get a clear answer on that thorn. But he got a grace that he said was sufficient. So he could go on from that and say with great confidence, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Christ is your life. Whether I live, whether I die, I am with Christ and I am for Christ and Christ is for me. All manner of things are well because I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. This past week, my dad's old Timex watch, the one he wore to work every day, the one I wore to work many days, the battery died on that thing. If you're a heartbroken Southern sentimentalist, you know what that meant for me. It meant a well of grief and tears came up. Why? Because I love Timex watches? No. No. Because in this life, things are robbed from me a little bit at a time. 
And there is an enemy who is a defeated foe. So I put the watch on the shelf next to my grandfather's watch. Also watched it stop ticking. And I gave thanks to God. That Tim Snowden is remarkably well. Because his faith in Jesus made it so. That was the declaration. Your faith has made you well. And then he gave that guy a demand. He said, listen, get up and go your way. Jesus said, he's down there worshiping Jesus. Look, any of y'all want to grovel in the dirt and worship me? I'm not going to rush you. I should, but I'm as jacked up as you are. I think it'd be cool just to see for a little while. Jesus says, arise and go your way. Meaning, son, you got a life. From this moment on, you got a life to live. And I want you to get up and live it. From this place of my declaration that you are well, I want you to live your life. Day by day and with each passing moment, I want you to live your life. To go your way, knowing that, that you are mine and I am yours. I want you to go your way. When lines fall to you in pleasant places, I want you to give me thanks and go your way. When things are hard, I want you to go your way, to live your life, to get up. In sickness and in health, arise and go your way. In poverty and riches, arise and go your way. On those mundane, grocery-getting, normal, regular Tuesdays, get up and you live your life from this place where you heard from my lips your faith has made you well. This is it. This is it. This is the defining happening in this chapter of Scripture. This represents the defining happening in the very center of the cosmos. So how do we do it? If we have named the name of Christ, if he is our Savior, how do we do it? Listen to these words from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great studied by all who have pleasure in them. Keep gathering and with your whole heart give him praise. You see, God does want to make a people bound together not just by our brokenness and our frailty or some other category or our victory or our political persuasion or our 401k. He wants to make a people bound together by the wellness that is found by faith in his name and the risen life he's called us to live on the other side of that.
So gather with your whole heart praising and take pleasure in his works. For they are good and they are new every morning. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you that you've called us to a life of gratitude, recognizing that gratitude is a demonstration of trust and faith. Thank you, Lord, for all your good gifts. Thank you for your presence in hard times. Thank you for the victory you bring when we face so many waters. We thank you, Lord, for all the different ways you relate to us. And we thank you, Lord, for the grand promise that all will be well with you. Lord, we trust you. We believe. Help us in our unbelief. And help us to bear witness to those in our circle of influence to the hope that we have within our heart. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing now. If you have made decisions in the privacy of your heart this week that you feel God would have you make publicly, we invite you to do that today. Perhaps it's to confess your need for the Lord, to follow him in baptism. Maybe it's about membership in this church and joining together uh, for service and for collective ministry together. Maybe you just have a special need in your life and you want to cry out for the kindness of God in the presence of your sisters and brothers. Whatever it is, if you were to make it public, we pray that you would do it today for God's glory and for your good. Andy, lead us as we sing.